0: Hi, right, good morning. And again, happy new year everybody. It's 2020. Yeah, can you believe that? 2020. That's ah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Today we begin a new 12-part series on Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. So, if you're here in church, you're starting with us. And we're going to be looking at all six chapters of the book of Ephesians. It's a huge, uh, theological, uh, theologically heavy book. Um, So one of the things I'm excited about is Kathy leading a more in-depth Bible study that's going to start. So, um, you know, you're all welcome to come. Um, Certainly we won't cover everything in Ephesians in the Messages, So if you can join Kathy, that's great. If you want to join one of our life groups, um, that's fantastic too. Um, But there's a lot in Ephesians. So I'm really going to encourage us as a community to take time uh, this uh, beginning of 2020 to really dive into Ephesians and read it and to sit with it and and to let this great book sort of marinate with us so that we might be shaped by it. Today we're going to do the first part of chapter one, and uh, there are a few big themes or big words that I want to anchor the message around, and um, that's why the title of this first message is Identity, Mystery, and Unity, uh, as it says in your bulletin, it says on the screen, because I'm going to anchor this message, and actually all of Ephesians is really anchored around around these uh, ideas. But let me let me start with identity, and uh, reference uh, sort of a cultural phenomenon that uh, that uh, just broke upon us recently. There was this final installment of the Star Wars saga, and uh, the movie was called Skywalker: The Rise of The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm. I'm a, uh, this is in my illustration for identity. Um, the rise of Skywalker. Has it? Ha, have people seen this latest Star Wars movie? The last Star Wars movie, number nine. Have people seen that? So I f- see a few hands? You know saying? Are people here Star Wars fans or not really Star Wars fans? You're Star Wars fans. Okay, great. Because I can spoil. The, I can spoil it then. And begin. No, I'm not. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, but. So this is the last, the last movie that came out, this giant arc. It was like a 40-some-odd-year arc, I think. Uh, so I am going to spoil um, the movie called The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and I love, I love the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. It came out in 1980, by the way, um, about 40 years ago. So if you haven't seen it by now... I'm gonna disappoint you because I am gonna spoil this movie. Um, So if you've seen this movie or if you haven't, um, the scene that I that really struck me was the, the scene about identity, where you have the hero of the movie, Luke Skywalker, and he's battling the arch villain who's named Darth Vader. And so Luke, our hero, who's, who's good and who's, who's, who's full of light, and, and you're really rooting for Luke, he's the good guy, as he's battling this bad guy, Darth Vader, who, who's like on the dark side, they're battling, and it comes up where there's this gigantic reveal about Luke's identity. And Darth Vader is smashing Luke down. And our hero is getting smashed down and smashed down. And finally, the villain, Darth, is in this dominant position. is about to really crush our hero, Luke. And, um, and uh, Luke s- throws this barb at, at the bad guy, Darth Vader. And he says, you killed my father. And Darth Vader... The evil bad guy says, no, I am your father. (laughs) All right. And you're like, okay, in 1980, right? I, I know like half of you guys weren't born yet. But in 1980, when I saw that in the movie theater, when I saw that, not on VHS, when I saw that in the theater and it was like, oh my gosh, The ultimate bad guy is the father of the good guy. You're like, ah, it's mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And it was like this identity reveal, this identity reveal. And you know the cool thing, if you you watch all these movies, really, really wonderful way to spend your time is watching 40 hours of film or (laughs) 80 hours of film or whatever. But one of the things that you see consistently in these Star Wars movies is identity. That people are discovering their identity. They're discovering who they are. And I think one of the reasons why Star Wars has had such a lasting, um, indelible mark on our culture is because it's film after film after film about identity. And that's what Ephesians is about. And that's why I think it's so important for us as Christians to understand what this book is about. Because I think as humans, whether it's in the movies or in Scripture, we have this longing for identity. And that's, and that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at identity. For you, what shapes your identity? What tells you who you are? In our family, um, I don't know if it's just like sort of what it is. We're immigrant family or whatever like that. But um, the way that my father always introduced me was, oh, this is Scott, my number two son. I don't know if any of you have ever been introduced that way. Like I'm an older brother, and then I'm number two son, right? number two, and then and then I got a younger sister. My father always introduced me, oh, this is, this is my son, Scott. He never introduced me as, this is my son, Scott, he's the handsome one, <laughs> or hey, this is my son, Scott, he's the, uh, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to say, but he always introduced me as, this is my son, Scott, the number two son. And I wonder for you if your family of origin was really significant in shaping who you are. Now, just think think about that a little bit. Because because in in Ephesians, we're going to look at how identity, how Paul is really trying to shape the identity of the Christians. Now, um, let me me get into this then with Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read... 1 through 14. But I'll, I'll pause along the way, try to give us some insights. This is a very meaty passage. But uh, identity and then mystery and unity. That's what that's what I'm going to look at today. Begins like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, now Ephesus uh, is... is in, in Asia Minor. It's this area, um, old uh, town, old old city, um, but but very rich, very, uh, very affluent, very educated people are there. And some of the biblical scholars think that this letter, uh, Ephesians, which is what we have in our Bible, was actually not written to just one church, but written to a number of churches uh, in that area, in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey. And so it would be like Uh, a circular letter would be copied many times and sent out to these different communities. So it would be almost like uh, Paul, who wrote it in Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Santa Clara and in Sunnyvale and San Jose and in Milpitas. It's like written to the group of Christians in this whole area. So to the saints who are in in Cupertino and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So your standard uh, early uh, 1st and 2nd century uh, greeting in in a letter. And it goes on. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's like glory to God uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. That's an identity qualifying thing. We'll get into that a little bit later. For adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he blessed us in the beloved. That's in Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Again, that's an identity marker. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. And this word mystery shows up again and again and again in Ephesians. So it's making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. And what is that mystery? What is the mystery that is in Christ? As a plan for the fullness of time, here's the mystery, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then this first part ends, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will Okay, everybody take a deep breath. That was a lot of theology in just a few verses. And that's why we're going to spend 12 weeks on this book, because there is so much that's here. So again, the anchor of this message is around these three words, Uh, these three words you have in your bulletin, and three words, if you can put them up on the slide, these first uh, 14 verses are anchored around identity and mystery and unity. A few more things to just kind of wonder about for identity. It's kind of this interesting cultural phenomenon that I've run into in Silicon Valley. I think a lot of people derive their identity, like their core identity, from where they work, which is why sometimes it's so devastating when people get fired from their workplace. But one of the things I've found here is when I'm meeting people for the very first time in this area, and they work in tech. And I wonder if this is how you are kind of experience meeting people too. If people work at a big name company, they work at a big name company, they'll say, oh, hi. Yeah, nice to meet you. And they'll say, hi, what's your name? I say, oh, I'm Scott. And I'll say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm, you know, who are you? And they'll tell me who they are. And if they work at a big name company, they'll say, hi, my name is Chris. I'm like, oh, Chris, nice to meet you. Um, where do you work? And they will go, I work at Apple. But if you don't work at a big name company, a cultural thing I found here is that people will, people go, oh, I work at a small, small startup. Or I work, at a, I work at a small, like, little tech company. Like, they won't tell me the name. They won't tell me the name. It's kind of this interesting cultural thing that, that I find around here. Um, and, and I think sometimes there's so much wrapped up in name recognition. Because I think people derive their identity in Silicon Valley, in some part, from their company. Other people will derive identity from their relationships, who they're they're related to. Uh, We see this, again, in our culture. If you're married, and in your marriage, you decided to change your name, change your last name. That's always a big discussion I have when I'm talking with couples as I'm counseling them for marriage. After the whole wedding ceremony, when you get introduced, with all the ceremony and all the pomp, they've done their vows and they've done their rings, and then the couple turns out, and then as the officiant, I go, ladies and gentlemen, I am really pleased to announce for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs., or John and Helen, or... Like I'm like, I always ask them in marriage counseling, how do you want to be presented? Your name, your identity. And then sometimes, because I know we have a lot of parents here, um, sometimes we derive our identity from being a parent, being a mom, or being a dad. And that's cool. But we run into this tension as parents. If we identify too much as being mom, Or if we identify too much as being dad, we have to be careful that we aren't too overly protective of our kids. Sometimes I talk with parents, and they go, "Oh, my kids are. I love my kids. I I, I, like. I really identify with myself as a mom or a dad. I want my kids to stay small all the time. I'm so sad that they're growing up. They were so cute." I mean, that's cool, and that's cute, and that's, but for me, like, a little, not a red flag, but a little pink flag goes off in my <laughs> mind, and I'm like, oh, you know, you ha- if you don't want your kids to ever grow up, what will happen is, subconsciously in your parenting, you'll truncate the development of your kids, and they won't grow up. And I wonder if it's because we as parents hold too tightly to our identity as a parent. But we have to, we have to encourage our kids to grow up so that their maturity won't be truncated, so that we won't always hold them as our kids, our little kids. My kids are here. I think they're listening to this right now. Your kids are here. They're listening to this right now. We have to encourage our kids towards maturity, towards adulthood which means stepping back, pushing them out into their own areas of responsibility where we're not there so that they grow up and to become fully formed adults. We don't want to cover them their whole lives because then they'll never grow up. And we don't want them to be little kids forever. I mean, I don't know, maybe you know some little kids that are in big bodies. <laughs> and you're like, "Ah, oh, really, dude? You're 45. (laughs) Really, dude? Really? Anyway, but that's for another message. All right. So what is this? What is this for identity? The Apostle Paul is saying, above all these things, above where you work, or who you're married to, or what your relationships are like with your parents or not, whether you're single or not, your most profound identity is in Jesus Christ, and that's what he's trying to get at over and over and over again. Your most profound identity is as someone in the family of God. Verse three, um, verse 3 says this. Blessed or glory be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he hammers these identifying things. God chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's not just now on earth, but for all eternity, that we should be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. That God, before the foundations of the world, predestined or chose or designed for you and for you and for you and for you to be a part of his family. That more than anything else that we identify ourselves with, that God wants us to identify ourselves with him. And so this is this first point I want to make about identity that identity, your identity, is not actually given by what you achieve or where you work, or your human relationships, but your identity is given by God. Your identity is given by God. Do we have a, do we have a slide for that? I'm gonna slide this out. That your identity is given by God. It comes from God, the Creator. And it's given by God because of these two things. Because you are chosen. You are chosen. And you are adopted by God. You are chosen and adopted by God into his family above everything else. I I know that we've got a a, a lot of uh, animal lovers at GRX. I know there are people that have dogs and cats and, and like little, little smaller mammals, and, and uh, I know some people are also keeping insects as pets, and I think that's great too. Um, we even have a small group called uh, All God's uh, Creatures, because it's full of people who love Jesus and love, love their pets. Um, and uh, so you guys know that I'll, I'll show sometimes pictures or I'll tell stories about, about our pet, Sherry. Um, Sherry Dog is what we call her to distinguish her from other humans that we know as Sherry. So we call her Sherry Dog. So in our family, we have Sherry. And um, if you have had a pet, um, you know that you adopt a pet. And we adopted Sherry from a shelter. um, And she has become a part of our family. And if you have a pet, you've know you adopted them or picked them up at a shelter or a pet store. They become a part of your family. Um, And uh, I thought this was very profound about adoption with pets. Um, do you know this? Do you know this about pets? When you take them to the vet, when you take them for their medical checkup, their veterinarian uh, 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 appointments, um, you bring your pet in and they begin to develop uh, records for your pet, for Sherry Dog. Our vet has a medical record for Sherry Dog. Um, do you know how the vet refers to her? They call her Sherry Lou. Do you know that? Pet owners? Yeah, I see some people nodding their head. When you adopt your pet, they don't become Sherry Dog. They become Sherry Lou. They become your pet with their last name. Loki Hom, I think. Is that, is that yeah, I got it, thank you. Thank you. I got the nod from the Hom family back there. That's that's the, you you take on their family. Their name, their pet. This is what God is trying to say here that you have a new identity, you have a new family, you have a new place of belonging. That's why when I adopt, uh, that's why when we baptize people here, we don't use your last name. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but we use your first name and your middle name, but we don't use your last name. That's what happens. That's what happens in baptism. Because theologically in baptism, We say your first name and your middle name but not your last name because you're being adopted into God's family. That's that's, that's what's happening here. So this first identity, it's given by God and you, each of you here are chosen by God and adopted into his family. All right. And then let me get to these other two words. Uh, They're actually really quick because they go together. Mystery and unity. I'm going to look at verse 7. In him... We have redemption through His blood, through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of God's will, according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time. And here's the mystery. To unite all things in Him, in heaven and things on earth. And so the mystery, which shows up again and again and again in the book of Ephesians, the mystery is unity in Christ. This is what Paul is talking about. For all the saints, your identity is adoption, being chosen in God's family. You guys are now unified in Christ. And then here's the mystery of what God is doing in the entire world, that God's mysterious plan is to unite all things and all people in Jesus Christ. Now, when the Apostle Paul was writing this, and in the first and second century world, there was a lot of division in their culture. There was a lot of division in and around their community. There was division between the Jews, which were the people of God, the chosen ones of God, and the Gentiles, which is everybody else, basically everybody not born a Jewish person. There's division between Jews and Gentiles. There was division between religious people and non-religious people. There There was division between the Roman government and then everybody else who wasn't a part of the Roman Empire. There was division between the rich and the poor. There was division between the educated and the uneducated. There's a division between the men and the women. There's division between politics, between people that were more conservative, people that were more liberal. There was division between people that were working and people that were really rich, They didn't have to work, and, and people that were slaves. There was all kinds of division. And if you think about it, the divisions that were then are also divisions that we experience right now divisions between political parties divisions between governments divisions between people that are rich and people that are poor people that are educated and uneducated men and women people that are inside people that are outside i mean just think about like our culture I mean, there's a lot of division in 1st, in 2nd century. But in our culture, do you think our culture is more united now or more divided now? Politically, economically, socially, culturally, religiously. So you think about this, you think, wait, 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 wait. God's plan, not just for, for years and years and years ago, centuries ago, but for now, God's plan is actually to unite all of our world, which is divided. Really? That's God's plan? It is. That God's plan, even now, is to unite all of the division that we see and that we experience into the unity in Christ. Now, if you read the news or you look on the Internet, And you look at all the division in our world and you think, man, that is totally impossible to bring unity to our world, then welcome to Ephesians because it's a mystery how it's going to be done. But that's what Paul is saying, that it's impossible to us. It looks like a total mystery how this is going to happen, but this is God's plan. To unite all things and all people in Jesus Christ. This is this message. That's it. I've got one more slide here that just sort of of summarizes all of this thing. The identity, you are chosen and adopted by God. And we are participating in this mystery. That all of us and the world are participating in God's great plan to unite All things in Christ. And so, here's this final actionable thing that I'd like to ask you guys all to do. Ephesians is a very, very meaty book, and uh, we've, we've been hitting this theme of discipleship. And if you were here in the fall, we played around with this swimming pool motif for discipleship. It was a metaphor. We said, "Let's go swimming." Let's follow Jesus Christ. Let's learn to swim together. So that's why this whole message is called, Let's Go Swimming in Ephesus. I know it's super cold outside. Who wants to go swimming, right? So It's metaphor, metaphor. We're not going to Turkey to go swimming. It's metaphor for let's go swimming in Ephesus. Let's jump into Ephesus. Let's swim around with this book. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do for discipleship and growth is for you guys to read Ephesians chapter 1, 2x slash day, which means two times a day. Really? Yes, really. Read Ephesians chapter 1 uh, two times. You've already read half of it today with me, so you only have one and a half times left today to read it. right? And the reason I'm wanting you to do this is because there's so much here, and it's a complicated book. And as you read it, let God's word soak into you. If you have something, you run into something that you don't understand, you can ask me, or you can ask Kathy, or you can ask your life group leader. Because because we're all trying to figure it out together. If you don't run into something you don't know, ask me, or ask Kathy, or ask somebody else. If you run into something and you're like, wow, that's really profound. Pray on it. Sit with it. Think about it. But read this two times a day. It's your exercise, so to speak. Right? We're a gym. I'm trying to help us exercise. So twice a day, read Ephesians 1. Maybe once in the morning and once in the evening. You may not understand everything. That's okay. That's okay. I don't understand everything. We don't have to understand everything. But ask God to show you what this is. Plus, here's a bonus thing. If you do read this two times, uh, two times a day, Ephesians chapter 1, next Sunday, I'm preaching on the second part of Ephesians chapter 1. And if you've read this a bunch of times before you come next Sunday, I guarantee you the preaching is going to sound a lot better next week. If you've read it. it. It always sounds better if you've read it before. All right. So with that, let me pray for us, and then we're going to celebrate communion together. God, I thank you that you've given us this great book, this great reminder that above all other things that we tie ourselves to in terms of identity, our identity is in you. So God, I pray that as we continue on in worship, as we take communion together, as we sing together, as we give our tithes and offerings, God, I pray that you would help us to become more unified, uh, more unified in you.